Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Gray, Georgia. Led by Pastor Randy Darnell, FBC Gray seeks to help people of all walks of life find Jesus and give Jesus away. If you are ever in the middle Georgia area, we would love to see you at one of our services. You can learn more about us at fbcgray.org. Now let's join Pastor Randy as we take another look into God's Word. been tricked uh we did the ash wednesday thing you know and i uh, always wanted to do that so we did the ash wednesday thing and then i thought you know for myself personally that i would do the lent thing too you know for lent you're supposed to give up something that means something to you so that whenever you think about that thing or you want that thing instead you pray or you read your bible and, and it draws you closer to the Lord and gives you anticipation of that coming day of the coming Easter. So I gave up something that meant something. I mean, it wasn't some, you know, I'm going to give up candy bars because that wouldn't mean anything to me. But I gave up something that really meant something to me because I can do it for 40 days. I've had friends. I had a real good friend in college that did it. And, and, and it just seemed to be nothing to it. Well, here's, here's where the trick came in. Do you know they don't count Sundays? In Lent. When they tell you that there's 40 days of Lent, that's not true exactly. There are 46 days because they don't count Sundays. Now, here's the deal technically, technically, you can have Sunday as a cheat day. You fast for six days, and on Sunday, you rest. But see, I've got this little weird superstition kind of thing going on with me. That, that if I did on Sunday that thing that I had given up Monday through Saturday, that the Lord would come to me and he'd say, Randy, Randy, what are you doing? And I can't see myself turning to the Lord and saying, Lord, it's my cheat day. I couldn't do it today because it's my cheat day. I, no, just, just, just no. I've been tricked. Well played, my Catholic friends. You have tricked me. There are 46 days in Lent, not just the 40. Now, here's the deal and why I'm telling you this story. I've never given up anything for this long for this reason, you know? I've never in my life given up something that, that I liked for this period of time as a fast to the Lord. And I've done the things that it says. I mean, I have prayed more. I have read more. I have thought more about the Lord. And I have felt closer to the Lord because of that. But there was an unintended consequence that I had not thought about. It was probably out there. I'm just not familiar with it. Is that this thing that I have given up, I'm anticipating getting it back. And I think that's part of the idea of Lent. Is that now we, we build this anticipation that Easter's coming, that a rescuer is coming, that redemption is going to be here, that life will be made new, that the world will change. There's an anticipation that builds up inside of us. That's what's happening in me with this Lent thing, this anticipation that I hadn't, expect, hadn't expected to have happen. 
Um, who would have thought? Who would have thought that the that we would give up the church for Lent? Who would have thought that? Now, let me help a few of you scholars out there that are always, you know, thinking about these things. I know that the church is the people of the church, and it's not the building that we're in. I went to seminary. I took ecclesiology and all those ology kind of things that I was supposed to study. I got a piece of paper that proves that. And when this service is over at the very end of it, Austin will come up, and he will once again affirm with us that we... The building is not the church, that we are the church, so go be the church. I understand all that, but you know what I've learned in the midst of all of this, and I've listened from some other folks telling me, is that we like to be the church gathered. We like to be the church together. We miss each other. And from the sound of things, we're going to keep missing each other maybe for at least another four weeks. We want to be together. We're hungry to be the church gathered. We are anticipating that day of redemption, of rescue, of excitement, of being all together again. Scripture this morning is sort of an interesting one. It's, it's, uh, it's a Christmas scripture. Once you, if you've got your Bibles with you, and you're at home, so you ought to have Bibles. If you're like me and you're at home, there's like 25 Bibles scattered through the house that you've collected over all the years. So just grab one of them from somewhere and go to the book of Luke. You can even get your Gideon Testament. The ones that you've got from the Gideons, it's going to have New Testament in it. You can find Luke in that one. Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 35. Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 35. And this is what the word of the Lord says. And when the time came for their purification... According to the law of Moses, they being Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, okay? And when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present, Je <clears throat> to present Jesus to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. That's what the Lord says to us this morning. The waiting that we're doing right now, and that's what we're doing, we're all waiting, right? We listen to news conferences from all over the place, we're waiting to get 
some news of when this thing's going to be over. The waiting that we're doing now is not like the waiting that you do when you go to Disney World or you go on a cruise. I've seen some folks that when, when you go on a cruise, that they have countdown pages, which was really a smart marketing thing for somebody that, okay, it's 30 days, it's 29 days, it's 28 days. Going to Disneyland, the kids, Disney World, the kids look, you know, it's going to be 30 days and 29 days and 28 days, and you see the end of this coming. That's not the kind of waiting we're doing right now. The waiting we're doing right now is like waiting for a wound to heal. And I don't mean just a little tiny scratch. I mean, you got a cut. Maybe you've had surgery or you just got a really bad cut, and you're waiting for, that, waiting for that wound to heal. And one day you get to feeling really good, and you think you're about done, and you go out and you do something, and then the next thing you know, it's hurting all over again, and there's this that goes on and that that goes on, and you just wonder, how long is this going to take? How long is it going to take? You want it to be over, and you want, you want life to be life again but you have no control over it whatsoever. It's going to happen when it happens, and you can't affect it. We want this to be over. We want this to be over. And with every passing day, the anticipation that we feel looking for that moment grows. There was a guy named Simeon. There was a guy named Simeon. We don't know much about him. I was reading some things about Simeon. There was, there's a lot of, of, of mythology that's been built around the guy Simeon. I think Eastern, I want to say Eastern Orthodox, one of the Orthodox churches has this big thing going on about Simeon. But we really don't know any more than what we've got here in the Scripture about Simeon. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, makes you think that he was an old guy, is really what it does. Young people don't think about death. Old guys think about death. And, and it very specifically says he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. We don't know how Simeon knew that the Holy Spirit had told him that he would not see death until he saw Jesus. But he knew, somehow he knew, and he waited, and he anticipated it wasn't like waiting for Disneyland or Disney World. He didn't know when this thing was going to happen. He was waiting for a wound to heal. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Big word that means that Israel needed a rescuer. He was waiting for the rescuer to come. Israel had been a great nation. They had been very powerful in their region, but they got lost. They were occupied by Rome. They weren't masters of their own destiny. They were a chosen people, but they were in exile in their own country, like being sheltered in place, you know? They couldn't save themselves. Some of this sounds familiar to us, doesn't it? Luke says Simeon was devout, that he had a reputation. That meant that you know men in the church and men in other churches that everybody looks up to because you know they are godly men. That's who Simeon was. And every night, I would imagine every night when Simeon went to bed, he would think to himself, it wasn't today. It wasn't today. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. One day, I'm going to see the Messiah. Maybe tomorrow. And he'd go to sleep with anticipation that he would see the rescuer tomorrow. Mary and Joseph were devout as well. Mary and Joseph, if anybody in the world had a right to think 
that they were special. Mary Joseph, angel comes to Joseph, angel comes to Mary. They've got all these special things going on around them. Anybody in the world thinks that they ought to be special is Mary and Joseph, but they didn't act special. They did exactly what the Bible told them that they were to do. There were rules and regulations. When a baby was born, you're supposed to go to the temple for purification in a certain period of time. So they did exactly what they were supposed to do. The thing is, and this is just a randy weird thing, is I'm, I'm thinking about Mary and Joseph, and I, I, I wonder as they're getting ready to go to the temple, if they start thinking to themselves, what is it going to be this time? What is it going to be this time? First, I'm just minding my own business. An angel comes and says, I'm going to have the Son of God. I am, I've, I've, I've never slept with a man. I've never had any relations with a man. And I'm just going to show up pregnant. Well, that's pretty weird. Got an angel telling me that. Then Joseph finds out that I'm going to have a baby. He's going to divorce me. Joseph is sitting there going, yeah. And the angel comes to me and says, no, dude, you've been chosen too. You're going to be on earth, the father that's going to take care of this child. You're going to be the protector. You're going to be the provider. So we got these angels all over the place. And then Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. The minute she walks in the door, Elizabeth just shouts out, Blessed are you among women! Can you imagine you walk in the door and the first thing somebody said, Blessed are you among women! And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And when the baby's born, you're sitting here minding your own business at this little stable where you are, and all of a sudden these shepherds show up, and they're talking about angel, and then angels, and singing about this baby that you've got in front of you. I can only imagine as they're getting ready to go to Jerusalem, that going through their mind, they're thinking, what will it be this time? Anticipating, because it's Jesus, something different is going to happen. Now, here's something I want us all to notice. That in all of this special stuff, what did they do to make it happen? What did they do to make any of this happen? Well, they only did one thing. They did their best to do what they knew God wanted them to do every day. And that's all. That's all they did. Nothing special, nothing extraordinary. Simeon knew Holy Spirit had revealed to Simeon that he was going to see the Messiah one day. So what did Simeon do? He got up every morning and he looked. And he waited. And he anticipated. And he still read the scripture. And he still studied the law. And he still talked about God. And he still prayed. And he still went to the temple. He just did the best that he could according to what he knew about God every day anticipating this was going to happen. He was righteous and devout. I think there's a reason those words are put there. The word righteous means that he was moral, that he lived a moral life, that he knew what God required, and he tried with what he knew to do the best he could to follow God. He studied the law, he knew the law, and he just tried to follow it. He treated everybody around him fairly, and that's what righteous people do. But that's all he did. He did not do anything special. He was just a guy who did what God told him to do every day. And Mary and Joseph were the same way. That's the kind of people they were. And I don't know if they knew Simeon before. I mean, Simeon said he'd been, he'd been in the temple. I don't know if they, had, if they knew each other. But they were the same kind of people. They simply lived their lives trying to follow God the best they could. Is that not you? 
Is that not you? Is that not what you do every day? Just try to do the best you can with the knowledge of God that you've got. That's all God expects. We get all wrapped around the axle about how to do our God stuff. And then we hear from the book of Micah, we hear God say, what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly before your, your God. What's the right way for you to live right now in this upside-down world that we're living in right now? And let me help you understand this. I'm probably going to say I'm way ahead of myself on this statement because I know I'm going to say it again later, but I want to say it to you right now. Nobody knows how to do this. So you're looking for an expert to tell you, and there are plenty of experts on television how, telling you how they've not been through it before either. They don't have a clue. They don't live in your house. They don't know what your life is at like. They're not in Jones County. They don't know. So how do you live your life right now in this upside-down world? Well, according to the Word that has never changed, that is always the same and always has been the same, do justice. Just live as best you can by God's rules and treat everybody you come into fair, come in contact with fairly and be kind to one another as best you can because you don't know what's going on in their house and they don't know what's going on in your house and all of us need to be kind to each other and all of us need to stand humbly before the Lord not thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to because the Lord has brought this moment into our lives for a purpose that's all God wants from us that's all God's looking for from us right now not to sound like a Facebook meme even though I stole part of this from a Facebook meme, do you realize what the Lord has done for us right now? Do you, do you understand? Everything that was important to us, God stripped away from us almost in an instant. No baseball. I saw somebody post up the other day, opening day, Major League Baseball 2020, thanks coronavirus. No baseball. No March Madness. There will be no number one college basketball team in the United States in the year 2020. It's not there. No soccer, no hockey, no t-ball, no travel ball, no prom. I think, we've, I think we've hit that one. No movies, no eating out, no friends over to the house, no parties, no church. All that's left is you, your family, and your Lord. Now, I might be overstepping my bounds here. I, I Actually, I've said that before, but this time I actually feel like maybe, maybe I'm treading on some thin ice. And if, if I'm somewhere I don't need to be, I, I ask you to forgive me for this. But I, I've had over my ministry a number of women who've told me that they wanted to be stay-at-home moms, but they couldn't be a stay-at-home mom because of finances. Today, some of you are getting to be stay-at-home moms for the first time in your life. This time that you've craved in your heart to have with your family and with your children, you've got now. This might be a blessing for you. Instead of you guys running around like crazy people, please think about this. Please think about this. Instead of you people, instead of us running around 
you with children running around like crazy people, going to work and going to practices, to go into all of these places that the kids have got to go so they'll be well-rounded and they'll learn from all these people how to live life. They're learning it from you now. The people that the Lord put in these children's lives to teach them, they're learning it from the right place. How about that? How about that? Instead of every weekend going to some ball game on some field somewhere and spending all kinds of money that you may or may not have chasing around travel ball everywhere, now you stay home as a family together. Look around the room if you're worshiping together this morning. All of you, face to face, you're not in a hurry. You actually get to see what each other looks like now. Randy, that's ridiculous. Is it really? Think about how fast you move during the week on a normal period and you're just passing by each other. And now you can lean back, Dad, in your chair and look across the room or sit on, don't sit on the swing outside and watch your children play and realize, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> and realize how beautiful your daughter is. To realize how handsome your son is. To marvel at the wife that you have been given by the Lord that gave birth to these children who loves you even though you're a clod sometimes. Think about that. What a gift we have been given. And I know it's been hard adjusting. We went from 60 to zero in one day flat. But... Are you starting to see something? Are you starting to sense that maybe there's something a little bit different going on here? Is there some anticipation growing inside of you that's, that's telling you that, you know, my life might change because of this, and it might be a good thing? Several years ago, my son Luke introduced me to panning for gold. I've mentioned that to you once or twice. Y'all have seen pictures of people panning for gold. I meant to bring a gold pan with me this morning just to have something in my hands. And, uh, and one of the things you do when you're gold panning is, is, is you take the pan. Y'all remember the pan. And it's got little ripples up the side of it. And you put, we call it concentrate. You've already worked through the rock and all this kind of stuff. So you've got this, this little gravel mixture. And you put it in your pan. And you put some water in your pan. And you do a little swirl thing. And you have a little hand thing that you do. And what you're trying to do is swirl. Gold is heavier than everything else that will be in your pan. It's the heaviest rock that's going to be in there. So if you swirl and you swirl just right, you're trying to move all the gravel and all of the sand up the ripples and out of your pan so that the only thing that's left is usually some black sand because where there's gold, there's black sand. And then gold, flecks of gold. But here's the killer. is what, Usually when you get there, you stop and your pan is just sparkling. And you go, look at all the gold. Now let me help you understand about panning for gold. If all of the gold that we've ever collected, if we took it and sold it somewhere, we could buy a Big Mac. So it's not like we're going to get rich off this thing, okay? But, but you see all the shiny stuff in there. And you go, wow, look at what's in my pan. But what we learned was, is if you hold your pan and take your hat off, if you're wearing one, or hold your hand over it, and put your pan in the shade, if it's not gold, 
it immediately quits shining. But gold always shines. As long as there's light around, gold always shines. Y'all see where I'm going with this, right? We're, we're in a period of time, we're in a period of time where we are in the shadow. We're in the shade. And here's an opportunity for us to look around ourselves and start seeing what is truly shining. I have never had this opportunity in my life. And neither have you. And neither has anyone anywhere. We've never had a moment like this. I know we're hungry to be back together. I see posts on Facebook and I get messages from folks that make me feel real good about being the shepherd of a flock that wants to get back together again. We can't wait for that to happen. We thought maybe it was going to be Easter. I'm thinking probably four more weeks if everything works like it says it's going to. But I wonder if God did that on purpose. If he said, you know, you're wanting to get back together, anticipating the joy of getting back together is good. But I want you to to anticipate getting back together with me and y'all together. Not just the people, but us, our relationship together. Simeon woke up every day wondering if that day would be the day that I'll see the Savior. Is today the day? Simeon knew that God had a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love for everybody he created and that he was going to send a rescuer. And Simeon looked for that rescuer every day. He anticipated that rescuer every day because we need a rescuer. Something else this virus has done for us too. I, and I truly believe this because Facebook tells me and Facebook don't lie. It's been three weeks that our world's been turned up down, upside down. Normal people, normal people, have gone to the grocery stores and bought out all of the toilet paper. Normal, rational people. In fact, I was talking to uh, uh, Mike Heiss earlier today, and he said that on his job sites, people are breaking into the porta potties and stealing the toilet paper out of the toilet porta potties. What is the matter with you people? This is insanity. I went to the store. I told y'all about. We went to the store a couple of weeks back. Every egg, even those $5 a dozen free-range brown natural-fed chicken eggs had been bought like you were in charge of the deviled eggs for the church potluck. Folks, we ain't having potlucks. Ease up on this stuff a bit. We've become irritable. Kids that were unruly to start with are becoming even more unruly. If they were sulky to start with, they're sulkier more now. That's not proper English, but it works. If they were pouty before, they're poutier now. If they were insane before, they are just insane now. And in the midst of all of this great celebration of humanity that I see on television about how everybody's pulling together, I know that in our homes that we have some really ugly moments because we are under stress that we've never known. We don't know how to deal with this. Nobody else has ever dealt with this. There are no experts in this. We simply have to trust the Lord and do the best we can every day. And this lets us know 
that there's some ugly stuff that lurks inside of us. And it lets us know that if there is a God that has a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love for us, he'd best be sending a rescuer because we need a rescuer. And the good news is, we got a rescuer. As broken as we are, God has never, ever forgotten us. Like Simeon. Simeon said, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many. For the fall, sadly, there are going to be a lot of people that, that just refuse. There are people you hear every day that refuse. They don't believe in God, don't want to believe in God. They're not going to believe in Jesus. They refuse. But many will rise. Many will hear. Many will be saved. They know that this baby, this Jesus, God's own son, they know that he lived a perfect life free of sin. He didn't feel the brokenness that we feel every day. He didn't feel that until he was on the cross. And when he was on the cross, you'll remember from the, from the Easter story that we've talked about, you'll remember that Jesus said on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's because all of the ugliness of humanity was poured out on Jesus. And for the first time in Jesus' existence, he felt alone, just like you feel, just like I feel. But God had forgotten him. He was buried on Friday. He was buried on Saturday. He was buried on Sunday. And then God said, that's enough. That's enough. God the Father showed His never stopping, never giving up, unbreakable, always and forever love for us by bringing Jesus back to life again to make Him the Lord of the living and of the dead. But that wasn't all. He said that if we would follow Jesus, if we would stake our lives on Jesus, if we would turn away from everything that we thought and wanted and plans and philosophies and whatever and turn to Jesus and say I will go where you want me to go I will follow you anywhere you want me to go I trust you to save me to be my rescuer then he is indeed your rescuer you see we're in the shade right now but Jesus shines brighter in the darkness. And he's there as our rescuer. We've got to endure a few more weeks of this isolation. A few more weeks for God to work on us. A few more weeks for us to want to see each other. A few more weeks until we can hear each other. And a few more weeks for us to wait until we can all come together as a body and praise the Lord together. I think he's blessing us in the middle of this mess. I think that's what's happening. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for delivering to us a moment that we can recenter. And Lord, I know that I know, I know there are people that are watching this. This goes out all over the place, and they're going to say, "What about the people that are dying?" And what about the people that are suffering? And I, and, I, and I understand. But Lord, I don't want to make it sound too simple. 
But Lord, I believe what we're seeing is what it looks like when we live without you. And I think you want us to see that. And we don't like it. And we ask you to forgive us for, for turning away from you. But Lord, we, we rejoice and anticipate the, the fact that you're going to bring us back together again. And Lord, you've sent a rescuer. And we're going to come back to this place. And we're going to sing praises to you for that rescuer. And Lord, I pray for every one of the families right now. This is hard for us. We don't get to get up and go and do like we want to. And our routines are upside down. And it, it kind of drives us crazy. And I pray, Lord, that, that this has been long enough going on now that the rhythm's been established and families can fall in love with each other again. And they can see a depth of the glory of family that you created. And that we would revel in your goodness. And Father, I pray for those this morning that that understand for the first time that they need a rescuer. And I pray, Lord, that they would turn to you right now and say, I am giving up my philosophy of life and I am picking up yours. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. I will follow Jesus for the rest of my life and that you, Father, will be merciful and kind to save them. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for another episode from FBC Gray. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single message. For more information about First Baptist Gray, visit us online at fbcgray.org. We hope you'll join us next week as we continue helping people find Jesus and give Jesus away. Thank you.